podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. Well, they walked into Madrid with hope in their hearts. And they'll walk away with the greatest prize in club football. Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool's Kings of the Cot are champions of Europe once again. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cop and Fracar. I'm your host Fahi and today I've got with me the General Ellis. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? The waste man from Walsall, Chris. Hey, even on the second attempt, you've managed to sneak that one in. So fair play. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and we got the Cop and Jester, Harold. Jeez, what are you saying, my guy? My guy, energy's here. Cool. All right. So before we get started, shout out to everyone following us on Twitter. Uh, cop and fracker if you haven't done so already please do that and join in with the convo today with the hashtag touchline fracker so let's get started let's discuss saturday game with um, southampton 2-1 three points in the bag what were you guys saying ellis you go first um obviously coming off the back of wednesday's game or last week wednesday against chelsea it was always going to look a difficult one um, a lot of fatigue was uh, well. Look, I didn't I didn't watch the match live, but when I watched it on Sky after, it looked like the team was a little bit fatigued in the first half, which was obviously which was gonna happen anyway. Coming back from Turkey, playing in so late into their their time. I think the game finished about twelve one their time or something. something yeah, like one o'clock. So, yeah, one o'clock. Yeah, so um, that's always gonna gonna kill the guys. Um, first half. From what I saw in the highlights, we looked really disjointed. Passes were going astray, a lot of uh, miss mishaps, a lot of um, players not not winning the first ball. Really slow spot, but again, that was going to happen because they were just blatantly tired. Second half, they kind of bucked up their ideas, kept control of the ball well, started to make a few chances. Obviously, first half, shout out to Mane for a stupendous goal. Another ten out of ten. Clutch. Stupendous confectionery, mate. 
um, yeah. Which we needed that really, so it allowed us to go into half time, change the I guess it changed the um half time team talk a little bit. Then just controlled the game a little bit more. Got the second goal, controlling then obviously Adrian made a howler, which was a bit terrible. But we moved, man, three points. I can't really complain, man. I just needed those three points and keep it moving. So Harold, what are you saying in terms of what Ellis is saying? Do you agree with his points or are you like worried from what you saw on Saturday? I think there's parts of it that does worry me. I mean, we'll get into it later about the um, the higher line that we are that we're looking to like embed into our into our defence. Yeah, um, does worry me a little bit, but we'll get into that later. Um, as far as the game itself, yeah, it was my thoughts are reminiscent of, and they echo Ellis. We had a, a long game in Istanbul, which really probably should have ended much sooner. I don't I don't actually agree with the um, extra time itself, by the way. Um, we should just go straight to penalties. There's anyway. no need for it. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's but anyway, it's it's happened. I have to deal with it now. And yeah, going from there to the South Coast and Southampton, we just wanted to get three points. I honestly couldn't care how we did it. We needed the three points. And it was the kind of game where we needed one of our star players to step up. Mane once again got a goal and an assist. In fact, last season he only got one assist, so he's really equaled last season's um tally. Wait, uh, the whole season? Yeah, and in the Prem, he 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 got twenty two goals, one assist. Are we serious? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, last year's tally. Um, but yeah, he was he was outstanding. Um, so it makes he's such like he's so um hard to predict and what he's gonna do. He is, and I, I know there's a lot of talk at the moment, and we'll get into it later, of course, about Salah versus Mane. But he's just he's just that that little bundle of of energy, and you just never know if he's just gonna pop it top bins or he's gonna hit the top of the cop. Like it's 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 honestly unpredictable. Yeah, he's, he's unpredictable, exactly. Um, but yeah, and, and the whole grand scheme of things, the Adrian mistake was a bit annoying, but it seems to be a theme with our goalkeepers to make at least one error leader into a goal. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, man, you get the three points, come back home, a week rest, and yeah, we, we, think, we think about those issues later. So, Chris, what are you saying in terms of the actual performance, do you feel like it's, it was just important to get the three points? Or do you think there is a bit of cause of con- cause for concern? Because quite a few of our fans are a bit worried in terms of what they've been seeing the past couple of weeks. Well, it wouldn't be the football club if the fans weren't worried about something or other, would it? Um, That's true. <laughs> um, I just think it's one of those games where you could tell um, even, even the big dog himself, Van Dijk, looked a little bit not physically exhausted, but mentally exhausted. I think you can tell... Um, from that, from the Yoshida chance where he should he should basically score. Van Dijk loses him, and you know if if it's Matip in that situation, we're probably you know having a bit of an argument on Twitter about you know Matip should have done better there, blah blah blah. But because it's Virgil, we give him a little bit of, bit of leeway because you know he's more than earned it. Um, actually, it's one of those games where it's identical to the Leicester game last season, even down to the goalkeeping mistake. Um, we never. I don't think we really ever looked in doubt of losing it, even though they had what fifty five. They had fifty five minutes of training from when they landed back and then had to go straight back to Southampton, which is pretty. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing, really. When you but when you think about it, um, you know we we control the game had had a fair bit of possession, um, and it, it was one of the it's, yeah. I think with the midfield and stuff, it was a bit of a Mixed bag midfield. Ox played really well, but I'm pretty sure in his pre-game just went, "Look, I just need you to just get through this 90 minutes. You got a week of rest to prepare for Arsenal. 
And it's just, look, it's just gone to the front three. Look, I'm going to need you guys to produce a little bit of magic and just do what you normally do to see us over the line. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we did that. Yeah, so like the way I see it is like the most important thing was to get the three points because in my head, the whole time before the Super Cup game, I was thinking, boy, if like it's going to have to be one or the other. I couldn't see us winning both games because I was thinking Southampton one week to like prepare for it. Yeah. They already had a bad result against Burnley. They're going to be at it at home. But yeah, somehow we survived with quality. That's kind of what dragged us through that game. Um, just quality moments. Firmino and Mane, they did what what we needed them to do. Yeah. So yeah, I, thankfully that was good. Just to follow on from what Chris said actually on topic of Van Dijk, there was one part that did worry me a little bit. Um, I guess I could have just been tiredness both physically and mentally. But it was right at the end when Ings had a chance to score. Like he, he really should have buried that chance to make it two-two. Um, Van Dijk just switches off and doesn't cover the near post. Yeah, and it, it did worry me a tiny bit because I mean, obviously he's he's Virgil, not. I mean, we're not gonna ever put him under under the lights. But I don't know there's a couple of moments I think he rests a bit on his laurels, which he should because he is like gargantuan in, in, in himself and his, his his physical appearance, but. It is a bit like, hmm, you know what, should you be so, like, should you take the risk? It's a little bit nonchalant sometimes where he plays, which yeah. I like. But at the same time, it's like, ah, it does worry me a little bit. Um, but luckily, we haven't had to pay for it. So I guess, as you said, I'm just being a Liverpool, Liverpool fan and just worrying about things that hasn't, hasn't actually <laughs> Okay, so I'm actually glad you mentioned that moment because it got mentioned yesterday, well, on Monday Night Football, um, and they were trying to work out was he being lazy and not actually tracking Ings or was he tired or whatever? Or was it this this line that they're trying to play where they're trying to push up, even with like little bits of space behind them where they were just trying to keep the line and catch Ings offside? So, oh, so, yeah, I know. It was mental. Like That is what they were discussing. And I was thinking, why the hell would you play offside three yeah. yards away from goal? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, <laughs> it, it was like, the most what? ridiculous. What? Discussing the defensive side of it, what are your thoughts on this line that we're playing, this stupidly high line that we're playing? Like, what is going on? Ellis, you go first. Um, um, I think what I think about the high line. It's a bit mad because like, I was I was even having an argument with my dad. Me and my dad were going out, we're going back and forth. We're like, oh no, we played a high line last season. It's the same thing. It's the same thing you're saying now. It's ridiculously high. So I read an article this morning and it was saying the reason why we played a high line was that we're trying to push up the press. Okay. So that we're pressing a bit more. So we, we press naturally anyway, but when you push up the high line, then you can press and make it like a half pitch. So playing at a half pitch, then it allows the force, allowing the force to get wider, trying to bring more players into play. Obviously, we're not too sure. We're not too sure on the specifics. Are we doing something just in the meantime until we get up to feel full fitness, then we revert back to where we were playing? Um, I don't know. There's a million and one questions. I don't know what it could be. For me, I'm, in my head, I'm just thinking that we're trying to just control the press, press a bit harder, try and keep the ball in the opponent's half and try to just count, get catch them in the counter press. But, you know, I never know what it could be. So, I read an article um the other day and i actually had a i had a conversation with touchline general lewis like during the super cup about this because i was watching the super cup game and i was like this high line is ridiculous there's got to be something more to it 
And I came up with the notion that it was a case of because VAR is now in play, Mm. our thought process is we're trying to be protected by like technology. Mm. And, you know, if we if we work on a high line and we make sure our line is like consistent in a sense, we're more likely to get offsides going our favour. And even if an attacker gets through on goal and is onside, what is the likelihood they actually score against our keeper? And I feel like the way our our statisticians work, that is something they were looking at. And then a journalist called Simon Hughes, he mentioned that in an article, I think a day after the Super Cup. Um, so do you think it could be due to VAR as well? Um, Harold, what you what are you thinking about it? Or do you just think it's just a new type of tactic, just like Ellis is saying? No, I think, especially in the modern game, um, there is a lot of intricacies, if I can even say the word, um, involved in how we prepare and how we play. I think it is a very risky um, way of playing, but it's definitely doable. Um I just think it's like, because obviously, well, I, I think I um, adhered to this in the last pod. It's, it's it's a change from the norm of what we're used to, and just defend now and um, like just just don't worry about that kind of thing. Like just you do the defending you need to do, and then and then you and then what well, if it, if you happen to be offside, then whatever. It's but relying on offside is to me is kind of crazy. But I'm trying to get used to it, which is hard. Um, I saw already yesterday. I was watching Monday Night Football as well, and Liverpool have the most have caught the most people offside. We have we've. Get, Caught people offside nine times in two games, which is incredible. Like, it's mad. And I noticed last year, it's not too dissimilar from the free-kick deliveries. We were very quick to um, catch people offside rather than actually having to defend. Yeah. And it caught us out in the Leicester game. Um, and to be fair, it did have more successes than it had failures. But for me, it is the positioning of our defenders that's killing me. It's the, like, your no matter how... I know Van Dijk is great, don't get don't get me wrong. But when a player is running um the opposite way to which you're facing, it's very hard to recover. And obviously the ball travels quicker than anything else. So it's just the position of them. If they're playing offside but their bodies are turned towards as if they're ready to run, I wouldn't mind. But very much like it's it's either it's offside and they go on and score, or it's like, hmm. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's either, it's either they're offside and, OK, we've got away with it, or they're just onside and they've managed to go on and score. I'd just rather it be a bit more precautionary. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah I get you. And I guess it's easier to watch then as well because, like, we're kind of just worried watching this line over and over again it's and people cheaper. exposing it. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hoping every time, like, I'm gonna hear the whistle. Like, honestly, I just watch the players and their body language. I'm just like, is it offside? Is it, is it like what's against Norwich? It kept happening. I was like, what is going on? Is, I guess it's something new, and it is like in football, it is the fine margins that like, you see, especially in the modern game, that's gonna effectively win you the league. So maybe that's something they are implementing. I do think it is a a very sensible conclusion to come to in terms of the VAR, but relying on it, oh boy. Yeah, I I just I have the weirdest feeling it's to do with VAR. Like, it just makes the most sense to me because like I don't understand how you could possibly go from what we were doing last season, where we were so sensible in the way we were defending, other than on set pieces, to what we're doing right now. There has to be more to it. There's no reason why you just randomly decide to throw away what we were doing last season because we had the best like defensive record. So why would you change it? Honestly, I like that. I think that is a good hypothesis to come to. I can't tell you another reason why he's doing it, but it's just 
it's just resting on it. It's just putting... Or it's like it's almost like every attack we're putting it all on the line. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, basically, it's the sort of like we really are relying on that and just just relying on technology. And to be fair, technology will be right, but there are times where people can, if you have that last that that little bit of um lapse in concentration, that then it, they potentially scored as opposed to oh even if you've done that you had a little bit of a lapse in concentration. Um, Gomez can cover, Van Dijk can cover, Gomez um. Matip can cover this, like all of that is out of the equation. So it's, it's, it seems like all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Chris, what are you saying? Are you pro high line or against it? Um, I think when we've got a bit more of a bigger sample size of games to analyse, I can kind of make a bit more of a decision on it. But it, it is the thing where you think, obviously, last season defence, like you said, it was it was so good. If it's not broke, you know, if it's not broke, why why? Why fix it, kind of thing, and just keep running it back. But I think a lot of it comes from the midfield as well. I think if the midfield presses a bit more, it reduces the space for them to attack and kind of get those through balls through. Um, and you know that, that was one of the things we did really well last season, like Harold said, that we caught so many people offside, not only you know in in play but on set pieces as well. But it'd be interesting to see actually in terms of average position of our centre-backs as well versus last season, how high they've actually pushed up. Because I don't know if it's a thing to kind of sit by Fabino and help him kind of disrupt play as well. That could be quite interesting because I don't know if you've noticed as well with uh, with Mane and Salah, they're hooking the touchline a lot more and they're not playing as centrally as they normally are. So I think it's a little bit of a tactical tweak from Klopp and Linders to kind of get us a bit more possession so we can attack with a bit more authority. Yeah. Do you, do you guys feel like in general we're going to continue with this throughout the season? Or do you think it's just a case of they're experimenting to see like how many decisions actually go our way compared to what they're expecting? So we might look at it as a plan B. So okay. That as the season goes on and um, fitness improves, team settles down, I think we'll revert back to normal. But I think you'll see when we're probably like, let's say, chasing a game or we're trying to get into a game. I think you'll just look, look to push up. Yeah, I know it sounds a bit like, suicidal, but you probably like to push up and then um, get Salamani out wide and try and try and try attack that way. That's that's just me thinking. Because I can't see us doing this all season. I'm just too much. We, we're too it's criminal, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Me, I think um, it will be really telling to see what we do against Arsenal. I think yes. that will be a good way in judging what's, how it's going to be for the rest of our season. Because if we play a high line against Pepe, Lacazette, Aubameyang... Boy. high line against them three, yeah. And I guess if it works, Klopp is going to be like, you know what, this is working, let's stick to it. That's my thinking. Um, however, I would like to think he's going to play a little bit different against Arsenal. And I do think he's almost going for like a strangle the opponent with so, such little space where they actually yeah, have to play an overhead ball, strangle yeah. them, get the goals, and then we can um, rest on our laurels and defend. And obviously, last season, we conceded the least goals. He knows we can defend. Um, even if they get past our defence, we have a good goalkeeper in goal. It's going to be hard to beat. going to be hard to score. So I think that's part of his plan. Like, just get the game won early and then chill. That's what that's my thinking is, hence the, the high press. All but right. What worries me... Sorry, Fly. What no. worries me is... Um, I love Fabinho, but it's the reliance on him. He is a single-man pivot. 
and him having to do so many different jobs. He's almost like Xabi Alonso Mascherano in one, which is so hard to be. So I just really fear if he's not in the system, it just doesn't work at all. Because once our once our creative fullbacks push up, he drops into a three. And if if he's not there, or if he like for whatever reason he like like we saw against Southampton, he's not playing. Um, we just we're just overly exposed, and the that defensive strictness of a certain player is just not there. So the reliance on him in that system as well is so key. I just feel like it's so dependent on each player that the system may not be like foolproof. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. And I also think like it is fine to try that out, but you should still like you should be doing it when you've got Allison in goal, yeah. because yeah. I I personally would feel more confident with Allison. On a, at a one on one than Adrian, like yeah, I agree, yeah, definitely 100. So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens for the next few weeks. Yeah, I think going back to the point Harold raised about um, Fabinho, I think in the midfield, then you want one of your midfielders to just not really stand next to Fabinho, but just just so be aware of where he is. So then, if you're playing with three in the middle, you want you have your number eight, your number six, and of the attacking midfielder, so you want one who's going to go in and support the attack. And you want one who who is half and half, so he's going to marginally support the attack. But then, if a counter attack is under threat, then he can quickly run back and help for Daniel. Yeah, so you, yeah. So you want one of that. So I think that's the way the midfield is usually set up. Um, so, but yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting to see the next couple of weeks what we do and um, how we are. But again, fire, you're right. You rather want Alisson in goal if you're going to play that high line because you kind of trust him a bit more and a bit more secure than Adrian. Boy, luckily we've got Mane and Salah to kind of get us the goals and we can, like, you know, Bam. just hope we pam at the other end. Oh, that's right. it, man. <laughs> so, talking about our two favourite forwards, Mane and Salah. The last week I have been on Twitter and I have seen... So many arguments, so many debates about these two. Number one, I don't understand why our fans are even debating about this. Mate. Why not appreciate both? Yeah, that's number one. So, like, I don't understand why you guys are actually debating this over and over again. Appreciate both if we still got them. But the conclusion that a lot of people are now coming to is Mane is more important to the team than Salah is. How do you guys feel about that? Chris, you can go first. What are your thoughts on this debate? We all uh, know, we all know um, out of the three, the most important of them is Firmino to the team. I mean, you said that with so much confidence it's and tr- no one agreed. <laughs> well, no, it's... it's, it's, no, it's, it's dead. It is true. Like when When he doesn't play up front, Everything just seems so disjointed. Nothing runs through. You just look at the Agreed. look at the Super Cup yeah. final for the, for Agreed. example. Yeah. Um, but going back to the original question, um, <laughs> it is a tough. <laughs> it is it is a tough one. Um, they are both pretty good players, and I think someone did send a uh, a listener question in terms of uh, who, if we were to get rid of one of them, who would it be? Um, but no, it's like, it's like, I'm going to take the shit out answer and say it's like you said just enjoy them while they're still here um, I mean it, it is such a Liverpool thing to do especially when one of them goes through 
well, you can tell which one's the fa- which one's the more beloved out of the two. When both of them went on a fucking you know goal drought last season, Mane kind of got it in the neck, and Salah was like, "Oh yeah, don't worry about it. It'll, it'll come good rather, sooner rather than later." Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. You know, for me, it is but absolutely right. The first thing you said there is why do we need to compare it? Um, when Sane and Sterling were playing for City, I didn't see anyone. I'm, to be fair, I'm quite ignorant to the City fans, but. I didn't see anyone comparing the two. They just appreciate both of them and they were happy. Um, I think that's, that's what you should do with both of them. However, in talking about Mane and Salah, um, I think they really do both complement each other a lot. And I have to give a lot of props to Mane because he's improved at his time at Liverpool. He used to have just a purple patch and then he would go off and we'll have a good, have a decent game, but he'll just miss a lot of chances. And since last season, him getting a golden boot, you've really seen him like, far more consistent in front of goal, which is something I've been crying out for. Um, so I have to give him a lot of props in that sense. And I feel like he's just excelled as a player. His mentality is key. Like, he just... Um, I remember Julian said last point he hasn't had a, he hasn't had a summer break in, what, seven years? Something like seven that. Seven years, boy. And yeah. he's proud of it. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which, is, which is nuts. Like, his mentality is, like, is, is, is elite. That's the kind of mentality you need if you want to be top, top tier. Do you, know, do you know what was sick talking about that mentality? In the Southampton game, because I, I don't know who watched it live. Um, I watched it live, right? And there was a bit where it was like a drop ball situation. Mm. And the rules have changed where if it's a drop ball, you both can't fight over it. The opposition have to give the ball back to you. And Mane wanted to fight over the drop ball. And the ref is like, nah, you don't with the ref. Like, nah, I want to fight over the drop ball. Like, that's the type of mentality this guy's got. And that's yeah. what I love about him. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's 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 proper. Yeah, he's good, man. Like, he's he's proper good. The thing is for me is that I always I don't know what it is, but this game is really key for me. It's the Napoli game last year that we needed to win for us to qualify from the group stages, and Mane just was killing me in front of goal, and it was Salah who stepped up with when he rolled Kulabali and slotted it in, and I think for me, you know, it's Salah is obviously the, the the media king. Like everyone loves him in the media. Um, I just love, I just love how, I love how like just, just ice cold he can be. Just like, just goals, 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 goals. Um, I think they do complement each other. I'm not going to sit on the fence. I actually, I'm going to say, um, in the attack, I do prefer Mane because he just has a bit more variety in his game. He's like, got the X factor. Yeah, he has. Exactly. He's got that X factor. Salah sometimes, I feel like he only has one shot, which I've changed my opinion on since that banger against Chelsea. I don't really see him score goals like that normally goes for the curler. That's his like favorite preferred finish. And he hasn't really gone for many dinks nowadays. Whereas Mane's got all kinds of finishes. We've seen his backhill goal against Watford. We've seen his his bangers against Arsenal, against Southampton this weekend. Like all these things. We've seen so many different types of finishes. So for me he's got that X factor. It's just that Salah is that media darling. He's that marketable character that we have in our team. And I ain't gonna lie, he's got the most goals uh, in the Premier uh, League season. I don't think so. Man. I just think he's, he's. I think for me personally, I think Salah is a better player than Mane. I think. In, in Salah, what sense? Gone. I just think um, when it, I, I would I explain this now. When when Mane first came here, yeah, he was very he's rough around the edges. Yeah. He played on that right hand side. He wasn't as it wasn't as consistent as Salah. I think he's more of a he, well, when he came, he was like on a one and three player. Now up his up his levels are like a one in two. He's now refined his game. I think playing on the left has allowed him to be a bit more. I don't want to say cautious. I want to say 
allowed him to think more about his game because he had to change his game because he was taken over from um, Coutinho. So playing on that left, which is testament to him because Klopp trusts him on that left and he has to do a lot more work than what Salah will have to do on the right. So when he's on that left, he has to do a bit more defensive work. He has to drop a bit deeper. But then when Salah, when you look at Mane and Salah on that right-hand side, you can see who was, again, trusted a bit more to be that final jigsaw, final yeah, jigsaw in a puzzle, who's going to who's gonna finish off the chances. Me personally, I prefer Salah in it because he's one more creative. Again, he scores more goals. He looks, he looks to just play within the team. I think you said earlier how they had one um, money, had one assist all last season, all last season, and then if Salah is your finisher and also your creator, surely that shows you exactly. A bit, a bit more. This is what I mean. He gets a bad rep, right, as a selfish player, but yeah, the stats Sam. say something completely different. Sam, he's a he's a he's a, he's a most creative player. He creates yeah, the most chances yeah. and he scores the most goals. So for me personally, he's a, he's a better target. That's not taking anyway anything away from money. Because Mane is an absolutely fantastic player, fantastic juvenile. But we want, we want to see more, like because he, he's coming from that left hand, left hand side. We want to see more create chances for his his teammates and that. But again, I rather just celebrate both of them. I used to argue, I used to really argue, like, oh no, I thought, but I've never had these two kind of players in my team before, and I'm just gonna have to appreciate them. Yeah, they're absolutely mental. Dude, the thing is, I'm not even mad at people saying Salah over Mane. Like that is. Yeah, it's ones, yeah, yeah. But for me, it's just you know when you've seen a player improve, you naturally just go to them a little bit more. You just say like you just have that bit mm-hmm. more bond with them. You're just thinking, ah, oh, I've been wanting you to do this, and you've finally done it. Where Salah just came in, bossed yeah. it, and it's just stayed at that level. You understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I have a bit more um, like emotional stock in Mane, if you like. I've just seen him just put in some some awful performances, and now to see him put in way more consistent. Um, eight and nines out of tens um, on, a, on a weekly basis. So I think that's why perhaps I am swayed towards both. Towards and you know, do you know what's funny? You know what's funny? You've got a lot of non-Liverpool fans who are picking Mane over Salah, which I find hilarious because when Mane first come, now we're comparing him to like Martial. Rav, hella banter. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but like fans think we forget or something. Or yeah. and, now, and now they're like, oh, we've always known he's world class. You know what I'm saying? Be like, like, shut up. Like, no, you, you, you never said it. No one said it. No one said it. Even Jerez, even when he come, when we signed him, I was a bit like, oh, out of all the players, why do you want money? Right, man. But then after, after a while, when he started playing, you're thinking, no, this guy's actually sick. That yeah. was the one player that Klopp signed that I was like, you know what? I trust you, Klopp. Because when he signed him for Southampton, I was like, 30 million on money? Wow. You, <laughs> you know what it is, right? So with money, like, it's documented. You can check my tweets. I have backed that signing since day one. Same with Salah. But it wasn't just on their ability. It was more about the system that Klopp plays. I had a feeling like based on who they were, what their attributes were and how Klopp plays, they were going to bang at least 15 goals a season. And four or two wide forwards, that's all we kind of needed at the time. Um, but as time has gone on, you just see, like, it was a masterstroke of a signing for both of them. They both cost the same amount, yeah. and they're both easily worth 100 mil now. Like, yeah. easily. But, so, yeah, like, in general, I, I think it was, they were both two fantastic signings. Both of them got flack when they joined. Fans were not in support of, like, either signing. It was a bit 50-50 either way. I think Salah had a bit more support. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, if you remember with uh, remember with Mane, it was between him and Goethe, wasn't it? And then Goethe yeah. chose Goethe to go back to Dortmund. So that fat bloke, mate, <laughs> <laughs> Augustus Gloop, boy, that guy. But yeah, like the only so they both have, in my opinion, they both have pros and cons, right? My my issue with Mane is when he stinks up the joint, he is horrible. and he he will be horrible for at least a month he will go through a stage where he is so bad like there is actually no point him being on the pitch right but his pro over Salah is he will defensively help Robertson yeah yeah whereas Salah exposes Trent so much this is why Trent gets pammed because there's absolutely no support (laughs) on that right hand side but if Salah plays bad he can still nick a goal Mane can't do it but you, but you know what though? You know one thing I like and I hate about Mane is that he can miss an open goal, or he'll go on, yeah, he'll go on and always <laughs> just done. There was one goal against City, and when we won four three, um, a couple of seasons ago, and he really should have just kept going closer and closer and then scored. But yeah, he, he went like, outside the box. He just stopped with his weak foot. Oh, his like, left foot. What are you doing and it hit top bins. I was like, this guy is outrageous. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It's just you just cannot you just cannot predict what he's gonna well, do. Just well, even last season, sorry, yeah. even last season he went from September to January without scoring or like scoring like five goals or something. People forget. Something. People forget this. Something like that. Like from September. To, so when people are arguing, me, oh, mate, his form has been from 2019, which has been out of this world. I can't take nothing away from him. But we actually literally relied on Salah from like September to January. Yeah, no, we did still. I ain't gonna lie. But then, if you look at Salah, Salah's drought, I think Salah's drought was like what, five games, five, six games, something like that. It, it wasn't a lot. Of, it wasn't a lot in comparison to Mane. So, going back, going back to your point, Fahy, we know that if if Salah was to play poorly, he can still nick a goal. Or, because he's so, like, frightening, people are still scared of him, even yeah. if he's not playing well. Yeah. Like, people are still fat-tracking and, and he's making a lot of space. But, again, can't really separate the two, man. They're just too... Perfect pause. Yeah, we're blessed to have them both. So really yeah. and truly, like that's why I don't even engage in the debate. I just appreciate both. That's it, man. That's the best way to do it, guys. So yeah, cool. So Mane Salah versus Arsenal this weekend. What were you saying? Where's <laughs> you going, man? What are you saying about the Arsenal game? It should be a good game. Um, actually, quite. What, a- you, what are your thoughts on Arsenal? Sorry. So you've seen like two weeks now worth of Arsenal. Um, last week was against Burnley. Yeah, that finished two one. So, what what are your thoughts on the Burnley game and what you saw from Arsenal? That was the early kick off, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I watched um, about half an hour of it. Um, wasn't I'm not gonna say I wasn't impressed. They they did what they needed to do, but it, when you look at actual kind of stats and how Burnley were actually still getting into the game when they didn't really have a right to, I mean, Arsenal conceded 18 shots to Burnley at the Emirates. So, just doing that kind of thinking, you concede 18 shots to Liverpool at Anfield. It's not going to end well for you again. Um, and I mean, as, as much as I love Ashley Barnes, as much as the next person, um, big man, you need to chill with this man, <laughs> Mate, Ellis. Not- Ellis, he's not he's not allowed back on the pod, man. What, what is this? <laughs> this Ashley Barnes loving? I'm not having it. Right, it's got uh, three goals. You need to stop, Chris. Three goals in two games is all I'm going to say. Um, oh. <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, you've, you've got players like, I mean, Dwight McNeil, Chris Wood, 
Ashley Barnes. They were getting decent positions, getting good goal scoring positions. But you know, you, you give those chances to Mane, Salah, Firmino, possibly Ox if he starts. I'm not even going to bother saying that biscuit cater because he's not even going to be on the bench, is he? So <laughs> biscuit. <laughs> Shout out to you for that one. That was a fucking funny one, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think it's I think what he's going to do. And I know a couple of the guys on uh, Anfield Wrap have said this. He's just going to say he's going to stick with the four-three-three, stick with pretty much the same squad bar midfield, where he's already said he's going to rotate, and just go with that until the international break. And he, he pretty much did the same last season. But I mean, in terms of the Arsenal game, uh, Sabayas played well. Um, that might be a bit of a problem against that midfield, but whew, I think Gendouzi's in, in for a bit of a game against Firmino. Because Firmino is on top form, and he looks like uh, the Firmino from the season before. Yeah. And Firmino loves playing against Arsenal. Oh, that's that's unreal, isn't it? That he scored in. He scores every game. Every basically. game. It's, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the maddest start. Uh, maddest start. I remember when he first played against Arsenal, he scored two. Yeah. Um, at Anfield. Oh, so, that yeah. absolute screamer to make it. Um, Two two, yeah, 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 yeah. He loves it. He loves playing against Arsenal for some reason, and I think in the past three seasons at Anfield, he's always scored first. So um, funny, yeah, it's a mad stat. The funniest thing with that as well is um, I think he scored eight goals against Arsenal as well, and yeah. uh, that's the one fan base in particular that likes pamming him for not being a proper striker. So <laughs> funny, isn't it? It's, it's, oh, irony, man! It's funny. How Let's not let's not say anything because otherwise we'll get in trouble. Let's just discuss. <laughs> let's just discuss the preview in it. Like, so what are you saying, um, Harold? In terms of Arsenal, like, what have you seen so far of them this season? How do you feel about the game? Um, to be honest with you, I do like first. The first time I actually saw him play, Sabios. Yeah. Against Burnley, he looked like a decent player. Tell uh, me about him. Like, I didn't watch that game, so tell me, like, what was he doing? Like, is he like more of a playmaker or what? Well, he seems it, but he also looks like a ball winner. So I'm trying to liken him to another player. I've seen other, some of other people liken him to the likes of Cozzola. Um, but I think that might, might be just because he's Spanish. So I'm not too sure. I need to see more of him, but he did look like he was, he was, he was, he had, he, he has quality. He has, he has great technique in his passes, um, great weight on the ball. He seems, he seems like he has very high football IQ. He's very aware of what's around him. Um, yeah, he just, he just looks to be like, he seemed like he's a proper CM, you know, honestly. Um, looks like what Arsenal really needed, a little bit of creativity in the midfield. Um, <laughs> it's funny I say that because, anyway, no, sorry. Let me not begin to speak about their their players. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so yeah, they, um, he, yeah, he looks good. He looks good. He looks, looks like a playmaker, but someone who can win the ball back, which is quite rare, I think. Um, yeah, very, very decent player. I'm a little bit worried about Aubameyang, I have to say. Um uh, um, as much as I think the only person that's really done better than him in the time he's been here has been Mo Salah. He is a goal scorer. Um, yep. He is like, he can really finish. That goal against Burnley, that's, although Sabaya's got the assist, really intriguing, that was all Aubameyang, I have to be honest with you. He cut in on the left and his finish was class. Like, he is a, he's a goal scorer, man. Like, that's, that's what he does. He scores goals. He is he proper should, good. I don't think he should um, be playing on the left, though. Yeah, yeah. Same. I, I, I completely, I completely agree, but Hey, I mean, if he's playing on the left, I don't, I don't really mind. It, it, hopefully, it, it nullifies him to an extent um, in terms of his goal-scoring ability. Um, but yeah, he does just, he just looks sharp. He just looked like he started the season quite well. I seen, I saw his highlight of his goal against Barcelona in the preseason. He looked like he was doing very well. He scored a winner against Newcastle. He's their on informed player. Um, those are the two main players I'm looking at. I'm like, hmm, 
Liverpool need to keep their like their their like their wits about them in that sense. I do expect us to win. Let me be completely honest, but I do think Arsenal will score. Um, yeah, I do want us. I'm I'm really keen on a on a convincing performance. This is something. It's like we're at home. We've had a week to prepare. It's under the lights. It's a five thirty kickoff. Let's let's really like show the Premier League what we're all about. Let's state our claim. If we really are going to be challenging for the for the for the trophy, let's really state our claim in this match and show them like why we are why we finished so many points above them last season. And let's like let's keep it going. Hundred percent, man. Krish, what what are you saying in terms of Pepe? Do you think he's going to start? Like, what are your thoughts on all that stuff? I think he's going to bring him back off the bench. Um, you think? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I feel like Anfield's too too major for him to start a first game. I, I agree with that. I think he's done quite well when he's come off the bench, apart from... Um, I don't know, I know Twitter was hyping up that uh, kind of step over he did, but then he got dispossessed like two seconds well, the after. One, the one middle of the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that amazing skill there. Sick. Uh, he looks like a, looks, I mean, looks like a baller. Um, there's a reason why he cost him out of money that he did. Um, yeah. He looked a good player, but it's like, it's like you said, he's been a bit more effective off the bench. And I think especially when you sign a player kind of late in that window when he doesn't do a full preseason, they don't normally start until uh, after after that international break. So, uh, good, good good player. And, it, you know, if, if you're Arsenal, you're going to want to bring a player who's got, you know, a good amount of skill, pace, who can kind of break the lines, and especially if we're playing that high line, hopefully get behind us um, about the 70-minute mark if they think we're still knackered, which I don't think we will be. So, But uh, just, just going back to kind of like... Um, how Burnley played. They, they had an abnormal amount of possession in Arsenal's half. And it, 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 just, it, was, a bit, it was a bit weird. It was, it was a game that a team with decent quality probably would have got a draw or taken away from them. Do you feel like Arsenal let them have possession in the sense of Burnley aren't as threatening with the actual ball? Because I feel like that may have been a ploy in the sense of I don't think Arsenal will play like that against us. I think we do that, though, to an extent sometimes. Yeah, we let the other team have the ball. Yeah, he saw it against Norwich. Um, but it's a bit weird. I thought Norwich had a bit more attacking prowess than uh, than Burnley, but that's not to be expected. That's not, not to be expected. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, but I think the thing for Burnley is, I think they're relying a lot on kind of Dwight McNeil and uh, Eric Peters, who seems to have come back from the dead, um, to be their main creators. So you can kind of lock off that one side from where most of it's coming from. And you know what, as well, actually, on, on the topic of, of Arsenal, I've seen they start in um, the two youngsters. You know, now I think about it, I do actually think, I'm thinking, who is like, who is better prepared to start? Like, Reese Nelson or Pepe? I actually think Pepe might start. You think? Because mm, I'm just trying to think, like, would they play, would he, would he trust a youngster? I mean, he's got Maitland-Niles playing that position. Um, got Reese Nelson there. And who's the other one? Who plays, um, is it Willock? Willock has been playing. Willock, yeah. Willock, yeah. Willock has been playing. I'll be very surprised if he goes for all three of those. It would make sense if a senior head comes in. Um, I mean, Pepe obviously not being there for very long. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be that surprised if he goes for um, Pepe over Reese Nelson, or maybe just box up the midfield so we so we have no like no way to to move to, to, to progress the ball forward to our forwards. Yeah, I'll be surprised if all three of them play again. Like it was it was a game against the game against Newcastle. He played all three of them. I don't know how he started against. Um, uh, what's called Burnley, but I do know that both obviously Maitland Niles is playing and Reese Nelson played. So I wonder yeah, if we look, we look playing again. Oh, he, he played, played as well. Yeah, again, we played against Burnley. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I will be surprised. Not gonna lie, all three of them play, but hey, 
That's, I think Maitland Niles definitely starts because he started last season and he scored last season as well. Yeah. That's going to so. be a big area for them in terms of defending, though. Because um, if they're going to play Reese Nelson and Maitland Niles on that right hand side, and obviously phew, you, you're going to be in for a bit of a pamid. I mean, kind of looking at where the uh, where Burnley attacked mainly, that was down there, right hand side. Um, so, I mean. It's it's a difficult one for them because obviously is Tierney still injured? I think. Yeah, he's that, not coming back until later. Yeah. Yeah, he's out for a while. Um, yeah. He's still integrate. I mean, he's still kind of integrating a new centre back in David Louise, but you know, I think when you've got a centre back like that, you can kind of plug and play him. Um, yeah. What's the other guy? The one who's been chatting shit. Yeah, Socrates. Socrates. Um, I they're on stick talk. Arsenal Arsenal players are on stick talk this week for some reason. It's wild. It's like, I don't why, know why. why are they so bad? Like they're, they're proper. Like you know, they're not worried about us. They're not scared of us. Like we've pammed you so many times. Why are <laughs> you not scared? What's happened? I don't understand. Where, understand. Where's the bravery come from? They're, they're in the paper. They're you know they're they're all up in the videos dancing, <laughs> and we're just and we're just in the shadow of training for another Ooh, beating. Training. So yeah. Yeah, it's a bit mad. Do you guys feel like Lacazette's going to start? Because I know last season he was on the bench. Um, Oba played up front by himself. No, no, he will start. He will start, he will start. I think. I think it's in their best interest to just start as many good players as possible. Yeah, Because you don't want to take a... I think this is their best start in, like, seven years. Yeah, it is, yeah. So, yeah, so... Um, I mean, that's not really saying much. That's just two wins in it's a not, row. It's not exactly. It's <laughs> <two>. <laughs> Literally, like, they're bragging about this. It's like, yo, it's just two wins in a row. No, it's, like, it's like five games, I'd say. But it's in their best interest to start with their best players. Um, you don't want to chop anyone and then just get a pan in. Then once you get pan, you start bringing on players too late. So um, I think he will stop. I think he will start. I expect Liverpool to pan them, to be fair. I was a bit nervous because of this high line in Aubameyang, but then I thought, uh, bun them, man. And not like a, a lot of a lot of it for me does depend on how we how we set up. It yeah. was diabolical if we tried to play like we did against Norwich against Arsenal. Oh my word, I'll scream! Ah, oh, if we if we tried to do that, Boy, this, this I, is definitely a revert a revert back to norm performance for the, the back be. four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just drop back a little bit. Stay, stay solid, stay tight. And, uh, you have to watch the runners as well because the midfield, they don't watch runners, they're only watching their runners. So, but again... We're going to need to watch Ceballos closely. Fab's going to need to be on Ceballos, like, yeah. on, his, on, his, uh, on his case. I would be really interested to see what midfield he does go for. Um, We go for, rather, Klopp. I'd be really interested. What do you guys hope for in terms of our midfield? Um, Fab. Yeah. Ox. Yeah. Yeah. Junior, all, right, why, all right, why do you want Ox? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting your headache. No, 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 man. Ox is sick in the midfield. He's got, he's got good passing, good engine. He's the one that can get the ball and just drive forward with it. Do you he's think his scared. body can handle three starts in a row? He didn't, uh-huh. start, he, he didn't start. Um, did he? Yeah, he started. Yeah, he no, started he did. Well, he got taken off at half time. He was he that played. bad. He was that bad. We forgot he played. Yeah. He, he started against <laughs> Southampton. He played the most of the match. Yeah, um, starting against Chelsea, he left halfway through. Just out of curiosity, how do you think he played against Southampton? I think he played well. Yeah, 
Um, I think he was tidy. I think he he kept possession. He put in some good balls, like some good crosses. He he fought for the ball and he was tracking back. I think that was like the perfect game for him to build up his match fitness um, and get him back to pace with like Premier League football. And I think that was like the perfect game for him to do that. Um, and I personally think he played really well. But I would not have started him against Arsenal purely because number one, it's an emotional game for him. Yeah. Um, and no matter what anyone says, that does play on a player player's mind when they're playing. Um, so I don't think he's got the temperament to handle that right now, especially when he's not actually like match match fit. Um, I would bring him off the bench. So who you having in his replacement? It, unfortunately, like we don't really, hand, yeah, like, <laughs> our boy Casper, like Genie Wine, Genie Wine, gonna have to start. So I'll go Fab, Genie, and Hendo. Well, you know what's mad? You said Casper, yeah? And I actually didn't know you were talking about Naby Keita or Gini Wijnaldum. Yeah, I was, I was a bit... I was up in the air, man. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine we have two Caspers in our team? Hey. I mean, Naby's biscuit. That's because he's got a biscuit body. That's yeah. what you got to know him as, man. <laughs> man is biscuit? <laughs> Nab- Nab- just call Naby biscuit. And well, the thing with Naby, yeah, Casper. even when he plays, you can see he's trying to do something. I yeah, can't see exactly. that with Genie. I could just can't. I don't know what Genie doing. I don't know. I don't know if he's playing. There's been times here. There's been times where you're watching a game, and for ten minutes, the commentator hasn't said his name. Not what for ten minutes. Okay, so let's stay on this point for a second because there was a listener's question about Ginny. So let's go for it. Jeff Anakin is asking, why do some Liverpool fans and rivals continue to hail Wijnaldum when 60% of matches he plays like Casper the Ghost's father and only turns up at Anfield in big games? Are they just blind or incompetent? So clearly we know how Jeff feels about it. What do you guys think? I think it's because he's got a nice fade. He's got a lovely fade. He's got a lovely set of teeth. He looks, he looks like the part. <laughs> you know I mean, he looks the part. You know, like I mean, you know, have, like, you seen um, his, have you seen his Instagram feed? Family, he, he is fly. Like, yeah, he like, is fly, man. It's fire still. But you know, like um, when Doozy, when he's running up and down with his hair, it looks like he's doing something. He's not really doing nothing, but it looks like he's busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing with Gina. Like, it looks like he's doing something. I remember Arsenal last season when we drew one-one. He absolutely killed Fabinho. Absolutely. Fabinho was doing so much work. Yeah, Fabinho was looking at me like, yo, my guy, you're going to help me here. It's diabolical as in... Because for me, because my problem with him is that he's got so much ability. You know he's got ability. You know he's got a good first touch. He's got, he's got he's very strong. He's got good skill. He's got good temperament. But he just doesn't do nothing. I, I don't understand why people saying, oh, yeah, it's a tactic from Klopp. Klopp wants him. No, man. It goes beyond that. I'm sorry. There's been games where... He's passed the ball at 17 pounds in central midfield. That is woeful. You know, for me, it's like, it's so tough to... First of all, shout out Jeff, um, my guy. It's with Gini. Um, oh, God. He does kill me, man. Do you, know is, so do you rate him? Like, do, do, All right, let, let's ask, let me ask the first question. Do you guys all rate him? Do you rate Wijnaldum as a midfielder? Yes or no? Newcastle, yes. Liverpool, no. Chris, what are you saying? Yes or no? Uh, it's, it depends on the day, doesn't it? It's <laughs> this is the, pro- the yeah. I mean, this is the problem. Um, yes or no, Chris? Yeah, yeah. You rate him? Yeah, I rate him. Ellis, what are you saying? I rate him. All right, cool. Harold, continue with your point. Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that first. Uh, wait, 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 Chris. Um, bye, how about you? I rate him. 
But I, I, I'm also not stupid enough to like deny how stupid he is and how shitty he is sometimes. Like I get frustrated watching him, but I can see what he brings to the team. And on his like best days, he's brilliant. And I also see with Holland how he plays. So he plays further up at Holland, and he's a completely different player. Like attacking wise, he's a completely different player, and he's so good. But that's not what his role is for us. Okay. And no, that's the enough. issue. Fair enough. I, I like that you have that that insight. To be fair. I don't really watch Holland too much. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll definitely take your point. I think for me, when it comes to Genie, is that a lot of the time he does. The part of what you're saying is you're saying like, oh, are we just blind to it? Yes, part of it is that we are just blind to it. The same way Lingard gets away with a little bit of... Like, Lingard gets away with murder sometimes. My goodness. The thing uh-huh. is, we know Lingard is whack. The only thing with Lingard is he's clutch. He has clutch moments. It's a bit like Luis Garcia. He was whack with the ball. He <laughs> used to waste possession all the time, but he had clutch moments. That's it. Yeah, and I think you, you pay for that. Like, you... You pay a player for that. Like, you, it's it's really strange. Like, it's, I guess you can liken it to Origi, who may, may not ever do do what he did last season ever again. But because he did it, he got a new contract. It's just one of those strange things. But I think he's just very obedient, um, Wijnaldum. And I think that actually has... What a term. Obedient. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> he is. He's, I, mean, I mean, to be fair, he listens to what Klopp says. I think Klopp is telling him to do these things. And he just, and that's why Klopp likes him so much. And he's, he's, he will never ever bash him in anything he does. He doesn't really bash anyone, Klopp, to be fair. But he's like, he, he can tell me he's a Klopp favorite. I think for me, sometimes he just, because I don't know, I guess when you've been around for a while, you just, there, there's, a, there's an emotional equity you build up with fans, and it's hard for them to like, criticize you in, in a sense. Um, like being through some hard times to see us now, I think that plays into it. But if you really ask a fan who is really a, a backer of him, what does he do? They'll struggle to tell you. He does everything okay. doesn't really excel in much. For, in a Liverpool shirt, let me specify. And then obviously when you see games like Barca last year and how, what impact he can make. And I saw glimpses of this Newcastle um, player who scored five in one game one time. I'm like, where are you? Like, I need to see more of this. Especially because we're crying out for a midfielder who can score goals and have a real influence in our final third. Yeah. It just feels like he should be that man. But at the same time, I I'm not so quick to, to criticize him, nor am I quick to criticize any of my players, apart from apart from Mignolet, Lovren and Moreno. Um, because he's just following the the orders of Klopp in in short. But I do think there comes a time in your professional career where you need to be like, you know what, boss, he's playing me forward. And that's why I rate Henderson for what he did um in January. Mm-hmm. Or, or whenever we play Southampton away and that and that like catalyst of a game for him so I need him to do the same thing basically boy boy oh boy the the curious case of Genie Wijnaldum man the curious case like this is like he's going to be one of those players where we always like kind of treat him like Marmite because we we see how he can play in big games for some reason he plays well in big games but put him against Burnley away he he just doesn't show up like you don't even notice he's there it's it's mad it's crazy you know, some footballers are like that. Some footballers are like they thrive in big games, thrive against better players, but then when it's time to do that, like, I can't be bothered unless that's genius. But then again, I think what, I, what Harold was saying, he, he's an intelligent footballer, so there's roles that he has to like, he has to do. He has to plug gaps, yeah. just defend, defend the space, which might like stop him from playing the football. But still, like 
It doesn't stop you from passing more than 17 times in midfield, bro. Come on, man. It's mad. It's mad. Like, I, I get it. I get it. Sometimes you want to plug plug the gaps, help um, Robertson, help Trent, just stay around, defend a bit well. But you can still demand for the ball. And that's the problem we have when we play with Henderson and Van Alden. They don't, they don't ask for the ball. And the thing is, with Van Alden, like one of his strengths is he can keep the ball. Yeah, like, he is great at shielding the ball away from like the yeah, opposition. Yeah. Yeah. It's just what he does with it, which that's irritates the problem. Me. It's just, oh, man. Even when he coming against Chelsea, he coming against Chelsea, and he was a ghost. Fam, there's no and reason for you to be on. a ghost. You see what I'm saying? What? When did he come on? <laughs> I remember getting vexed when I saw him coming on the pitch. Fuck, because you're thinking, oh, what's he coming on to do now? He's coming on to do nothing. Ah, <laughs> oh, fam, you absolutely drive me mental. It's, it's hard, man. Literally, like, I know deep down that he is important to us. And like I said, I want him to play on Saturday. But if he puts in a two out of ten performance, I wouldn't be surprised. It would be, oh, man, these guys piss me off, man. So, yeah, like, oh, Genie Wijnaldum, man. What a guy. Well, all that being said, are you still happier with Genie playing over Ox? For Arsenal or in general? No, for Arsenal. Just for Arsenal game. For Arsenal, yeah, I am happy with Wijnaldum. Um, I'm happy with Wijnaldum over Ox. Purely because I just don't think Ox is ready for that game. Like, mm-hmm. that's just how I feel. And it's it's not about ability. It's just more about fitness and just, like, the mental side of it. I don't think he's ready for that game. I feel like he's just going to try and do too much. Or he's just going to be overawed by the situation. I feel like Wijnaldum, he's calm, collected. You go on IG, you see his feed. He, <laughs> he's, he's loving life, chilling with shades on. Like that. That's what he will be doing on the pitch. I don't know what he'll actually be doing with the ball, but in terms of his temperament, it will be there. Yeah. Uh, and we know he's match fit. So I, I personally would start Wijnaldum, Hendo and Fab. Um, I know there's not a lot of creativity in that three, but... I don't feel like with that Arsenal defence, you need a lot of creativity. Nah. Fair enough. But yeah, again, that, that could come to bite me, just like the Lovren segment last week came back to bite us. So, <laughs> so like, like, Again, guys, we're sorry about the Lovren stuff, in it? Like, if we jinxed it, we apologise. We, we, we got too excited. Yeah, Julian started singing songs and shit. <laughs> Julian was praising God and then... Oh my god. All right, cool. So continuing on with like the midfield conversation, let's get to like listeners' questions. Um I've got a question regarding the midfield from at Learned Brethren. He goes he's oh, asking sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah, Just curious on the um on the rest of the team. Obviously our front three picked themselves, but who yeah. you have in um at centre back? Oh god. Uh, this oh god not this again uh, did you see did you see Matt up against Southampton yeah he was atrocious yeah I did see that I did see that <laughs> like, yeah. I'm trying to stay quiet like I don't want to say too much because everyone seems to think I've got some mad agenda against Matip which I've explained over and over again but if you saw what he was doing against Southampton I, I just don't know anymore man like again it could be because of the high line mm-hmm. uh, but but he was or also doing some shit. Or just it was everything. Like his passes back to the keeper. He was heading it out of play for like corners. Like I don't really understand what he was on that game. Like his positioning was off. Everything was off. But 
that could also be because of tiredness. Did he start in the Super Cup game? Yeah. Yeah, so that could be because of tiredness as well. Like, there's so many different things to think about. Again, I prefer Gomez over Matip. I want Gomez to be a number two. What happens on Saturday, I have no idea. If you're playing against Aubameyang up front, it's tough. Because Gomez has the pace, but Matip is better positionally. So, a bit more mature as well. What are you saying, Harold? What do you think? Um, I think oh, it's tough, man. I'm gonna say Matip. You're gonna go Matip, Chris. What a Matip? Gomez. You're going Gomez, Ellis. I'm going Matip. Boy, all right. I'm gonna go with Gomez then. Just make it two-two because, yeah. God, I I read I'm. There's there's a few things that I'm really struggling to like work out with our team. The the centre back pairing right now is one of them. I'm of the impression that I think Gomez should continue playing so he could bed back in. Um, but I also don't want to lose to Arsenal or draw against Arsenal. So that, that's that's my thing right now. So yeah, I, I'm not too sure. But yeah, I personally prefer Gomez over Matip. So I would always start Gomez. So, yeah. All right, cool. Listeners questions. Going back to the midfield. At Land Brethren asked, what is our best midfield combo? So, let's say they're all fit. Biscuit is fit. Ghost is fit. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your best midfield combo? Is it 40? Let's say 4-3-3, not 4-3-3-1. Okay. Uh, let me go first. I'm going to throw on. a spanner in the works, as they say. Um, Fabinho... Ox and one of Hendo and Genie. Hmm. Interesting. I say that because Hendo and Genie are very, very good tactically. They understand their roles very, very well. They're very disciplined. Um, then it's going to be one of Ox or Cater. They'll be that they're, I won't say creative outlet, but the, the, the midfielders who are better with a football who can do something a bit more with a football so I think it'll be one of them I know a lot well, a lot of people are going to say I'll let, well, I'll let you man say what you want to say but but for me it's always going to be Fabinho he's, he's a certainty top dollar yeah. that, that's the first midfielder in ages yeah, we've had where everyone agrees certainty. he should always yeah. start yeah. You, you see you see in life there's like three centres certainties in it there's death taxes and Fabinho has to start that's just, <laughs> that's, just that's just what it is that's then, the bottom um, man that's just the bottom line. Then the two, the two can is either obviously between Gaeta and Ox and Fabinho and also then Henderson and Gini. Cool, Chris. What are you saying? Uh, well, Fabinho obviously, um, and probably Hendo and Ox, mainly because I feel like they have the tactical awareness to kind of fill in for fullbacks when need, need be, cover the right amount of area on the pitch. Defensively, they can do well. Defensively, Henderson can do a job, and Ox isn't actually a. He's not unlike Genie. He's not afraid to dribble out the ball from the midfield, take on mm. players, and actually have a pass that can split a few defenders. So mm. I'd go those three for me. Cool, Harold. What are you saying? Yeah, same as Chris, um, Fab, Endo, and Ox. I've got I've got a lot of stock in Ox because for me, when he was um, before his injury. He was, the only thing missing for me was his, just his final ball decision-making. It was literally, that was the last thing. Sometimes he would shoot and it was better to pass and vice versa. And I feel like that's really just a coaching thing. And if he can correct that, 
we can seriously get some goals. So I'm really interested to see um, how well he fares. Yeah, I've got a lot of stock in Ox. Cool. All right. There's a question that I completely missed and it related to the last point. So I'm just going to bring it up now. What what do we think is going to happen against Arsenal? What is the scoreline going to be? Let's just let's just put our bollocks on the line and just just put a score in there. Uh, I'm going to go three one Liverpool. Four one or three one. Three three one. Three one. Okay, Chris. Three one Liverpool. Harold. Same three one. Everyone is saying three one. I'm saying the same thing. That was a question by Good Evening One. All right, cool. Flyboy Flyboy Black is asking. Oh god, this is going to be interesting after what Chris said originally. If we was offered three hundred million for one of our front three, gun to your head, who are you selling first? Salah. So you're saying Salah, Chris? What are you saying? Well, when I read this, I read this question earlier. I thought Salah, so I'm going to stick with that answer, even though it's the maddest one when you think about it. Ellis. Yeah, man. Same really. You're telling me you wouldn't sell Firmino for three hundred million? I'm mean, sorry, yeah. Like, would you do that, Firmino? Wait, like, you, do you think he's worth three hundred mil? Do you think he's I not? Do you feel like? Do you feel like we can't get a number nine to replace him? We probably could, but I don't think we can get someone to do what he does. No, no, no. I take it back. I, I, I thought you were saying if one of our forwards were offered for three hundred mil, who would it be? That's what I took. Oh back. no, 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 no. It's like if we were offered three hundred mil, um, gun to your head, which one are you selling? Firmino in a bit, bringing Mbappe. I don't care if it doesn't work. Boy, you got to sell, you got to sell Firmino straight away. Yeah, you got yeah, yeah. yeah. welcome. What you, what do you mean? Now let's start. Let's start that question again. Let's start that question. I was, I was, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> Chris, Chris, you're still sticking with Salah, yeah? Nah, fuck that. Get me out. <laughs> like, like, use your common sense when you're answering these questions. This is the thing, man. When you see what he does for the team. All the shit he does. It's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool stuff in it. But if Mbappe, listen, if Mbappe's next door and he's willing to come, you're gonna drop Firmino to the bench, aren't you? Oh, mate, mate, I'll drive him to wherever he well, wants to go. There you go. So like, like Firmino, like Firmino is replaceable. No matter what anyone says, I love what he does. It was obvious in the Super Cup. Like, clearly, he's that important to the way we're currently playing. But he is replaceable. I think. Do you know? To be fair, I think all three of them are replaceable. Yeah, hundred percent. I think all three of them are, are players that we can be. Man, Mbappe does Firmino's role and Salah's role. Then you can get Usman and Dembele. Man, there's players out there. I mean, yeah, like we're going into fantasy football now. Yeah, we're I know. Saying yeah. That, we're <laughs> not saying that we're not going to sign Mbappe, by the way. Oh. We're just yeah, exactly. Just I don't want. I don't want anyone acting us and saying, "Oh, you man are crazy. You think you can get a dog? Don't shut. No ITK business going on here, fellas. Yeah, we're just saying, innit? All I'm saying is that night kit next year, there's a reason why, man. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> all right, cool. Next question from um, Gunner D. He's asking, if you could have bought any player to rotate with the front three, who would it have been? This, oh, is, a, this is a really good question, by Stop. the way. Sorry, Chris, you go. No, I'm saying so. It's a really good question, this. Yeah, go on. Uh, any player. So are we like setting a budget? Uh, on this realistically, or? realistically. Okay, cool. Um, would you say Sancho's realistic? I mean, yeah, you, we could have got him for what a hundred mil. 
I'd have if done, he, if you put a hundred mil on the table, Dortmund would have taken it. I, I I'd have done that. I'd have done that, or um, watching how he's played in preseason, Joe Felix. Yeah, that kid's gonna be a baller. That guy is that. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. You know the tech. Yeah, he his tech is unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's the one. He's the one for me. Hundred. Have, have you seen that thing in the video with him in training when he like, does that thing over the keeper? It's like a there. FIFA player come to life. Absolutely you know, like you know, back in the day on FIFA, where you can like create your own player and change the yeah. attributes to ninety nine, everything. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy, like he, his tech is unbelievable. Like the stuff I'm seeing, the way he dribbles with the ball, takes on players, keeps the ball. Like he's madness. Yeah. He had a piece right. of skill at the weekend where he kind of broke the ball from midfield, took two yeah. players out of the game, and he did win a, win a penalty. Won a penalty. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. He's it tri- makes me sick that Simeone's managing him. Actually makes me sick. <laughs> it is it is a mad transfer window for Atletico signing Joao Felix and Trippier. It's how yeah. strange. <laughs> it's, it's mental, but yeah. All right, cool. So Joao Felix, um, who didn't answer? Harold, did you answer? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. Joao Felix for me. Cool, Joao Felix. Cool stuff. Um, who is next? Who is next? Oh, here we go. So at Keat J Five, he's asking. With Emre Chan being told he can leave Juve, waste man, and yeah. Coutinho leaving Barca, waste man, <laughs> if they were still at the club, how do you think a midfield of Emre, Fabinho and Coutinho would have fared in the league? Emre, Fabinho and Coutinho? Boy, so I... I oh my word. Are you mad? <laughs> are you... Are you I, 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 would, I, would, I would rather have me running in quicksand back to the fence and have those three in my midfield. Are you... Nah, no, not for me, man. Right. Chan, Explain why. Emery Chan moves like he's treading water. Mm-hmm. He is <laughs> so stiff. It drove mm-hmm. me crazy. He did have some elements of, of good placing, but nah, not for me. Coutinho obviously has that star quality, but in the way we're playing now, nah, man. You can't hack it, man. You can't hack it. There's just, just no way. Just no way. Mm-hmm. There, there was a reason why he got subbed up fairly often. Yeah. Um, when he, when he, when he was here, it just just no for me. So you're telling me you're gonna have a man who's walking on concrete? Is walking like like he's making concrete? You're gonna have you're gonna have a man who gets tired after 60 minutes. You're gonna have Fabinho holding it down for everyone. Now I'm good, man. No. I'm good. It's interesting you say that because I was having a discussion on Twitter with someone. I was with Farouk, with um, Farouk Benjamin Kasani, and he was yeah. saying that uh, Emery is better than Genie and Hendo. And I'll say yeah, but, yeah, but Farouk, Farouk loves Emre, innit? Like, oh, so, yeah, oh, fair, fair. Like, yeah, that, yeah. That's his boy since day one. He's, oh, he's been fighting me over Emre Chan since like 2015. <laughs> so. oh, I wasn't aware of that. I was, yeah. but I, was, I was saying like they're all the same players, but uh, Genie and Hendo champion because they understand what they have to do and they do it better. Like There'll be times you were watching Emre and this guy is dopey, doesn't look over his shoulder. It's not even dope. Like he's got the attributes to be great, right? 100%. He's just lazy. That that is like, he he does not clock on sometimes. He's brain dead sometimes. That's his Total issue. Brain dead. No, I I agree. I feel like he has the he has he could potentially be the like um on the level of like Michael Balak, but he's he's just he's just not switched on enough. He can't be not not in my opinion anyway. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, 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 I might can't be that slow, man. I'm sorry, it really pissed me off. Oh, <laughs> yeah, his movement. You know, like when they one to him, like it, it's mad. Like he does not know how to recover. Oh my word, man! It's, oh. it's mad. 
And the thing is, he was he was a dilemma for Klopp because Klopp didn't know to, he didn't know to put him in at eight or to put him in at six. You put him in at six, his tactical discipline was was a bit lackluster. You put him in at eight, he can't move, so you're stuck. What do you do? Yeah, man. It's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, I'm just glad he's rotten, to be honest. So, like, I'm a bit of person. I'm quite petty, in it. Like, that waste man thought he was going to do better than us. He went Alone, to Juve, played Alone. about 15 games. Cool, you won the title, but we won the Champions League, in it. So, you're not alone. You're not alone. I mean, and the thing, what he held the club to ransom, the way, the way, waste obviously, man. yeah, it's not as bad as continual leaving, but just the way he was at, he was moving, bro. Just sign a contract. Where else are you gonna go? Are you went to go going? Sorry, you're going to Juventus. Fine, cool. Oh, oh, you have to leave now. Oh, oh, so you he, could, could, he, he couldn't kick out Kadira off the like starting lineup. Kadira, have you seen Kadira play, bro? Boy, Kadira plays like he's fifty now. Boy, like it's, <laughs> all I'm saying is the lights are on Emery Chan, isn't it? Emery counts. Yeah, boy. All right, cool. Next question from friend of the pod, Rob Mush. He is asking. Well, he's saying Klopp said a big reason for our first half was due to a lack of plan. Um, no, sorry. Let me ask that. Let me say that again. So Klopp said a big reason for our first half lack of plan was because we had, quote, barely any time to analyse Southampton. Does that mean we have no natural playing style and players are too dependent on planning? And how much time will we really have to analyse in a packed schedule? Chris, you can go first. Oh, come to me first with the most complicated question. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good question. Uh, shout out to Mush. Um, I think one of the things Klopp is really big on is having the standardised plan and obviously the little game plans for the bigger games. Um, but I think he, he likes to have them solve their own problems on the pitch, um, which is why one, I think midfield playing midfield in the Jurgen Klopp system is probably one of the hardest jobs in football in just regards to all the tactic stuff. Um, not too sure about the actual lack of a game plan thing, because I always think you can usually tell from the first 10 minutes of a game that there's a plan, there's a set plan about how we move the ball or if we're targeting specific areas. Um, but we're in what? Of this specific team, we're in what? Year, year three now? Um, yeah. so there's always going to be little tweaks and changes and they're probably just kind of ironing those out as I think I've said this in the in the chat a few times as well that it feels like Southampton was the end of our kind of extended pre-season just because the fixtures have, have been so hectic uh, and we're still ironing a few things out obviously with some of the guys coming back late and if, if we are implementing a new style they have to kind of learn that in a shorter period of time as well so I do. It's a good point, but I think you know. I think there's a there's always a plan there, but there isn't a plan B either. So, hmm. Cool, Harold. What are you saying? What What do you think about like the way we we go about certain games? Um, <clears throat> I think it is first of all a really good a really good question from from Mush. Um, we had Julian answer a little bit of the question in in the chat. I do agree with him to an, to an extent. Um, last year we saw Klopp blame the wind, albeit it was very windy. Um, we saw Klopp blame the wind to the amusement of our rival fans. Um, I do think sometimes, for some strange reason, he does play as if woe is me, and I don't know, I'm not too sure why that is. It's 
it's like, I mean, this is going back to what we said on the first pod, and just go out and spend that kind of thing. Like, I mean, we could we could cover some of this. Like, anyway, let me not digress. But effectively, I do think um, it's, a, it's a tough question to decipher. But I think. Don't get me wrong, of course you have to analyse a team beforehand, but there should come, we should have a certain type of player who is just, as we, as we did, which is what actually happened, Mane just stepped up and was like, you know what, hit the game with this, with a scruff of the neck and I'm going to like put my footprint on it. Um, yeah. So it's going to be games like that, We're gonna, you're not going to have a lot of time to prepare. It's it's like, it's, he said it's rock and roll football when he first came, that's literally what the Premier League is, rock and roll. Only, only now this season we're getting a Christmas break when everyone else has had it for God knows how long. So... It's going to be games like this. So we just need to have star quality to where even where we haven't prepared for them, it, our quality is just going to excel above without having to find their weakness. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think that is a large... Having that star quality, and which we are blessed for um, in in, in Roger Van Dijk and our, and, our, and our forwards, it is like it is, it is great to have. But I think sometimes you just needs to remember that he can rely on it because he can be so meticulous in his preparations, especially with um, with his assistant coach Pep, um, and how and how I, you see I've seen some videos of them. I've seen how uh, how much attention to detail they'll have. But sometimes you won't be able to like you just don't have enough time to do so. You just need to rest on your laurels effectively, and then your star players to turn up. Yeah, like Ellis, what do you think? Do do you feel the same in terms of what Harold's saying or? Do you feel as if it's just like the woe is me attitude is something that Klopp needs to kind of stop? Um, I think Liverpool always has a plan. I think Klopp always has a plan. I don't, I don't think he goes into any matches being ill-prepared. Uh, if he has enough time to to get get the information across to the players, maybe not, but I think they always have a way of playing. I read an article about how they didn't have a lot of time to get all the things, but um, they analyse videos of the way Southampton played and they always have a play. Uh, the woe is me thing. You know, sometimes um, things don't go well for you. Sometimes the taxes are off and you just need something to deflect from the players. Sometimes the players are... Obviously, we've all clocked that club never, ever blames the players. He never comes out and says, oh, he played this, he done that. Um, I think it's just like, if he's looking to blame the wind, it's because he doesn't want to put any pressure on the players. <laughs> I'm just laughing at the wind stuff. I can't believe that was. It's mad, isn't it? That's what. That's it's my opinion. It's, it's it's almost as if it, it was only us playing with the wind and the other yeah, teams. Yeah, the, the other team weren't affected. Yeah, it's <laughs> mad. I I think that sometimes you probably you probably get a few tactical tactical things wrong. So you need something else to like deflect from the fact that one of the players has played shit. Just say the players play shit, but he doesn't want him just because of the way he is as a manager. But in regards of planning for the game, I think you always had a plan. The the issue was did he have enough time to relay the message to the players, which mm. was the first half. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean it wasn't really um it wasn't as fluid as we wanted to be. Then I had... also think it's a bit of an anomaly by the way, like in the sense of having a Wednesday game finish so late and then travelling as well and it's all... not gonna happen again. And also yeah. having a game at Saturday three PM. That's not gonna happen. Like no. usually our games will be on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. If we play on Wednesday. So um, it's a bit of an anomaly. Um, I don't feel like we need to worry about it too much. No, no. But shout out to that like, UEFA from uh, the FA for not helping us, though. Respect for that, man. I, I mean, it doesn't matter, man. We won the cup and then we won. I know, then we <laughs> Liverpool are your Super Cup champions, guys. Just, back, just back on the woe is me point as well. Um, 
there's a certain bald manager that um, moans more than anyone. <laughs> the one, the one that likes to mention us for no reason. Yeah, the one who likes to be a bit of a chatty patty and drop names in when he shouldn't really shouldn't. Wow, why did he talk about Adrian? Like, <laughs> what the hell? You know, what like them, like oh, it was such a sassy comment as well. Oh, Adrian, shut up, bro. What's that <laughs> I understand. He's, I thought we are living rent free. We got our feet up in his head right now, and I it's, absolutely love it. It's yeah. crazy. He's proper rattled by us. Chris, what were we going to say? I was saying, like, um, I think it's normal for most managers to complain. And I think it, the win point is one of the funniest fucking points, though, whenever he moans about the win. Because I always laugh, especially when you chose to move a training ground to Kirby, which is notorious for his fucking wins. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... He's just preparing, isn't it? Yeah, he's, oh, man, that's what he's, doing. Giving them, he's giving them black ops training in the wind. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, all right, cool. So we've actually got so many questions, but we can't go through them all today. So what I'm going to do is wrap it up and then next week we can continue with the questions. But um, thank you everyone for sending in all those questions. We do appreciate it and we will read them out. Um, yeah, so that's it. Krish, thank you very much. Harold, thank you for coming on. Ellis, you as well. Um, catch you same time next week. And also make sure to add us, cop in fracker, use the hashtag touchline fracker, and yeah, peace. 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 This holiday season, you know what I have on my wish list? Adventure. That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today. Podcast Network.